This is Shira's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm so excited today because I'm sitting across from a real life published author. (laughs) This is very exciting for me because I feel like, oh, I'm legit. Like (laughs) people want to talk to me, right? No, but Shira, I'm so excited. Shira Miller, this is so random how we met, but first let me tell you, um, this is your first book, correct? It is. So it's called Free and Clear, Get Unstuck and Live the Life You Want, which is so up my alley. I full transparency. I'm not much of a reader, but I'm a big listener, i.e. podcast, right? So audiobooks are my thing. And as soon as we got chatting and I was like, wait, you have a book? Wait, you've been through this? Wait, you help people get unstuck? And I started listening last Sunday at the pool and I'm about three quarters of the way through. And this is like so spot on for me as a brand, but also me personally with some stuff I'm going through. So this has been very exciting for me all week. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming out. And you've had a few, you've been on a few podcasts lately, but this is like your first in-person one, you said, right? This is my first in-person one, <laughs> and I couldn't be more excited to have it here. Well, Thank I'm you. very, very glad you came. Thank you for your time. Um, but Shira and I, this is so random how everyone just kind of comes into my life. <laughs> she takes my spin classes at Lifetime. So the other... Again, so random how this happened because I was not supposed to teach last Saturday. So I subbed for somebody who was out sick and I overheard her talking to another member. Again, my ears are always on. Like I'm like hyper, like I can hear things, I can see things, right? And I overheard you say something about, um, oh, you were just recently on a podcast or something about a podcast. And I was like, wait, do you have your own podcast? And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm interviewing for my book. And I was like, wait, you have a book? Tell me more. And now here we are. Long story short. It's, so, it's the universe. It really is. Okay. It really is. I'm a, a full believer in the universe. I'm also, I heard somebody say something this week um, where you can want something and you can work for it, but the universe isn't going to deliver until you're, you're truly ready. Isn't that so true? I find it has been true at every juncture in my life. Yeah. You talk a little bit about that in this book too. And with age, how we want things by a certain point in time and space. And really it's not, has nothing to do with that. It's all about like being open and doing the work and getting the processes in place. And then all of a sudden when it's right, when it's ready. And even like when you're ready to handle it, because sometimes things can be bigger than you would ever imagined. And I could imagine a couple, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I wasn't ready for certain things in my life. So it really is so true how weird, serendipitous the way the world works. Oh, it, it cracks me up. If I think back to how I was in my 20s or my oh, yeah. 30s, the quote plan that yes. you think you have oh, yeah. for yourself, oh, yeah. which is utter bullshit. And can I cuss? Yes, you can. Okay. Yes, which, we like cussing on this. Well, wonderful. <laughs> that's that's utter bullshit. Yeah. And it, everything happened when it was supposed to, after I did work on myself, Mm. after I fully became open or got out of my own way in many instances. Right, 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 right. So where are you from, Shira? Let's start there. Let's go way back. I am from Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. So not too far. Nope. Nope. Not too far. grew up there. I'm the daughter of a delicatessen owner. Oh, really? Doesn't that sound like a punchline to a joke? (laughs) In Columbia, South Carolina. (laughs) Yes. Pretty much. Yes. Pretty much. And what about your mom? Well, I guess either one could be the owner. Who owned it? My parents, both of both my of parents. Your parents. Okay. My grandfather started it in 1941. Oh, wow. It's a, my youngest brother now franchises it. It's called Groucho's. Groucho's. I sound like an ad for Groucho's. So it's still there? There's 35 franchises in the Carolinas. And no way. One in Augusta, Georgia. Bruce Miller giving you a shout out. There you go. So yeah, yeah. Wow. Family business. Do you have siblings? I have two younger brothers. Okay. Yes, my so brother you- Bruce and brother Robert. Very cool. How did you end up in Atlanta? Well, I was a debate nerd. (laughs) Best thing that ever happened to me in high school, public speaking. Uh uh And Emory University had one of the best tournaments in the country. Went there, fell in love with it. I already had some family here. Okay. And Emory was my top choice. Lucky enough to get in. I've been here forever. Okay. And you are, from what I gather in your book, you are a little bit of an overachiever. Is that fair to say? It depends how you define overachievement. Right. It's all it's all relative, right? 
It, mm-hmm. it is. I'm, mm-hmm. I've always tried to be an A student Yes. And when I care. I mean, if you look at like my math grades, yeah. you would say, no, you're kind of a dumbass. <laughs> but things that don't have to do with that yeah. part or figuring out technology, yes. Yeah. And is that how you, you know, growing, I, I feel like it's different now listening to your story. Um, but do you feel like growing up, that's how you were placing value on yourself? Very much. Yeah. I was a kid. I tried a million things until I found speaking yeah. and did really well at it. And it's how I derived any sorts of Mm self-esteem was Mm -hmm. I I wasn't the all-A student. Mm -hmm. I did not have the highest SAT scores. But when I found a few things that I was really good at, speaking, um, uh, competing in history day competitions, all all of those things related to writing and speaking, it, it gave me a real big buzz. I felt worthy. And that wasn't until high school? It wasn't until high school that growing up, I've always been the entertainer. Okay. I would corral my brothers or my friends. We'd put on shows. Yeah. We would, I'd be the girl who would do the big sleepover party with 20 friends. Right. So I've always been the entertainer bringing people right. together. Right. In that kind okay. of way. But very, but very academic focused, right? You have decent grades. Yeah. yeah. Good, yeah, 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 good yeah. enough that I was able to get into a good into college. Emory, right. Of course. Of course. And then what did you study in Emory? Something that has nothing to do on my life's bearing right now. I was a history and English major, which makes me great at Trivial Pursuit. And, you know, actually, I've used it in speech writing. Let's say that. Should you go on Jeopardy? I feel like you'd be really good on Jeopardy. I would kick ass on Jeopardy as long as it didn't involve sports. (laughs) I'm a pop culture freak. Are you? Love pop culture. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I'm, I'm just a TV movie and film freak. But yes, very much pop culture. Sports I could do well at, but like anything... History or very academia related, I would do terrible. I would do absolutely terrible. Uh, music, yes. <laughs> okay. They will need to be on the same trivia team. Right. We exactly. Have complimentary exactly. Skills. Exactly. So you went to Emory, Emory, and then obviously you stayed in Atlanta. Did you get a job right out of college? I worked through college. You I did. put myself through school, okay. and I ended up with a really killer job my junior year. I remember I took the one and only journalism class that was that was at Emory at the time. Now mm, they've got a decent program. Sure. But um, they told us about a job. I remember the teacher described it as kind of a shit job. It was an archivist at the NBC News Southeastern Bureau. Didn't pay much. Okay. But I thought this could be an opportunity. Right. So I applied. And yeah, for the first month, I archived a lot of tapes. <laughs> then the weekend bureau coordinator left. Uh, and I figured out, you know, I've never, I mean, I've always been a hard worker. Yeah. So I started doing that job 20 to 40 hours a week for a year and a half. And wow. that started my career in the right path. Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do after college? I didn't know at the time when I was at NBC, I did get a big clue that I got more excited by the pop culture feature uh-huh. stories uh-huh. than hard news. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with that. And right. then someone recommended, I talked to a great lady named Julie Davis, uh-huh. I had an internship uh-huh. with her. She had a PR firm and I really liked that a lot. Yeah. So that's how yeah. I started my career. And I think that's one thing I feel like we put so much, even I was thinking about this the other day, even when we ask, cause it's going to relate back to your book, I promise. But even when we ask a little kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? Like, and I know that we're doing that to make conversation, to basically say you can be anything you want in the world. But I also feel like when you get to a certain age, that question is very daunting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think half of your life is spent figuring out what you don't want to do or who you don't want to date or where you don't want to live, you know? And it's like, okay, you check all those boxes off and then what's left, what else is open? And eventually you find your path, you find your purpose, all the stuff that you talk about in your book. But I like to ask that for people that, you know, they go to college for X, Y, Z and not like me, (laughs) and they're doing something that has nothing to do with it or so it seems. But you learn these skills, you learn a skill set in college, you learn how to work hard, you learn how to be your own boss, right? Quote unquote. Um, But I think there's so much pressure, especially now on 21, 22 year olds, where it's like they have to have it figured out. And like, it's okay not to have a plan. It's almost better, I think. I agree with you. I think you've got to have good core skills, but it's the ability to pivot and to adapt now, any advice I'd have for someone who's just new to adulting, yeah, yeah, make sure that you know 
you're willing to work hard and you're willing to look for opportunities right. and, um, you know, put the time into it right. and test. Oh my God, test things out. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the chances that the first thing you do is what you actually want to do. I mean, that's <laughs> very rare, very rare. Yeah. So take a job, do some internships, skip around and do different things right. that, right. and you're always going to be changing. I mean, my life's purpose has shifted a number of times. Mm -hmm. That's normal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also okay to say you probably won't figure out your true purpose until later in life. And one thing you talk about is you have, you can have several different purposes throughout your whole life, depending on what stage you're in, where you're going to school or where you're working or who you're surrounded by. And it's actually very good that your purpose changes. And the older that you get, I feel the older that you get, it becomes more specific. Um, you can really like pinpoint it. Whereas, you know, when you're younger, it's like you are trying different things and you are seeing what sticks and seeing what you like. Cause ultimately, um, a purposeful, purposeful life to me is one that you truly enjoy. Like that's, you know, even, and you say this, like you can be a stay at home mom and that is your purpose. Your purpose is to raise the next generation and make sure that they're strong and confident and lovely or whatever. But again, it's like, if that gives you joy, then that's a win-win. Completely. And you're the one who defines it. Yeah. It's important to have your own definition because yeah. if you're going from what your parents think you right. should be doing or right. what your friends think you should be doing. It really is all about you. Yeah. Did you ever have any pressure from your parents? I had the, you know, it, it's interesting. I had the opposite reaction. I was the only one to go away and go to a four-year oh, really? college and in my immediate family, yeah, my yeah. aunts, uncles, and cousins. Sure. So I was a little bit of the unicorn in that they were always really proud of me. My yeah. mom's a huge cheerleader, still 84-year-old, yeah. oh give you the God. best, best damn hugs you'd ever get, you know? So- my mom had some discomfort when I left corporate the first time and mm -hmm. had my own business. Um, and it's funny, she's from a, a different generation. She's yes. 84. Yeah. So my mom thinking of pressure, you know, with career, she just wanted me to be settled. I think my mom didn't stop worrying about me until I met my now husband. Really? <laughs> really? Do. There's something in her brain that, you know, discounts awards or yeah. all that other stuff. And yeah. it's like, you know, she finally met the right guy after a few tries. I, I'm okay now. <laughs> So I think that's what it took for her. You're, you're, you're spot on though with the different generation. Um, I think it's a matter of the not knowing the unknown, whereas I thrive on the unknown. Like my favorite quote is when nothing is certain, anything is possible. Whereas people like my mom and, and you know, she, we've talked about this before, but she struggles with a little bit of anxiety. So her knowing what's next, what to prepare for helps her. And for me, I'm like, I don't live that way. Um, I moved to LA with no job. I moved to Atlanta with no job. I'm like, I'll just figure it out. And I, I always figure it out, but that's just my personality. So you go off to college, you work at NBC, you said for a year and a half. Yes. And then what happens after that? Were you kind of getting an idea of what path you wanted to take? I did. Okay. I realized I did want to be in public relations. Okay. And I took my first corporate job was with Dazen's Hotel. Mm -hmm. They were Dazen's of America was headquartered in Atlanta at the oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. This is a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> I'm 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 not a spring chicken. So yeah, it was it was here and that was my first corporate job. No kidding. Yes. How long did you work there? I was there three and a half years until they were acquired and moved up to um New Jersey, where they're currently located. Is this the job that you referred to where you felt very valued. You, you received a lot of promotions and a lot of, um, you know, you were just recognized and it kind of all just fell, oh, imploded. God. Tell us about that. Do you want the job or the whole everything going? Let, let's hear it. Like I, I want to know the nitty gritty of, of people's kind of deepest, you know, slumps that, we can actually, because we see people now and they look successful and they have a book and they've got this, but it's like, what did you go through to get there? Right. That's the most important part because without those valleys, the highs wouldn't be as high and you wouldn't have learned what you learned. So let's just dive into it as much as you're willing to share. And it's funny. I've got three instances in my life that were what I will call quote, the hard, hardest times. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I had a quarter life crisis at mm. age 25. <laughs> Actually, let's just call it a full blown midlife crisis in overachiever mode, you know, 25 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And it was crazy. I loved my job at Days Inns. I had a wonderful boss. I won a lot of awards. I felt really valued. Yeah. And the company moved. They offered me a job. I was in an unhappy marriage mm. at the time to my very first ever boyfriend. At the time, I was 50 pounds overweight. Mm. I uh, hadn't started the journey of losing that yet by building a better relationship with myself. Sure. And it was a really dark time in my life. I felt worthless. Yeah. I was depressed. I don't think I was clinically depressed. If so, I wasn't diagnosed, but I went into therapy. Sure. And that was one of the best, most loving things yeah. I've ever done for myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So where did the weight gain come from? Well, I am the daughter of a delicatessen owner. Uh. And so it's food. <laughs> if you're happy, if you're sad, yeah. if you're bored, yeah. a lot of emotional eating. Got oh, it. and when I went away to college, freshman year, Domino's delivered, <laughs> and I had a really good fake ID. So a lot of yeah. Beer, pizza, alcohol. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And was movement ever a part of your life back then, really? So, a little bit. Okay. I didn't have the right role models for sure. it. I remember trying to run and liking it and then injuring myself right away. Mm. So, it, it wasn't part of the equation. And it was after I went to therapy mm -hmm. and I was 20, God, 26 at this point. Okay. I spent about six months and one day I woke up and I went, I really want to treat myself like a friend. Yeah. And I wasn't focused necessarily on losing weight. It was, I want to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh my gosh, I'll never forget this. There was a gym in it, here in Atlanta yeah. called Jeans Body Tech. Oh my gosh. Wait, <laughs> this is so random. So the I I opened a studio in town called yes. Sculpt House. Yes. I helped, oh, Which yeah. is in Jeans Body Tech old spot. Okay. Yes. See? That's where I used to work for four years. Right. Okay. This is a very yeah. small, very world. small world. So Jean's body tech, it was the place to go for step aerobics. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. One of my best friends still to this day, Samantha, it was Labor Day weekend. So this is 30 years ago. Yeah. I'm about to celebrate this huge anniversary of starting to take care of myself. I, I remember going to um, a step aerobics class with uh -huh. her and a couple of other friends. I was by far the heaviest person in the class. I didn't even have workout clothes. I was wearing my ex-husband's shorts, like, a, you know, this crazy t-shirt. And I've always loved to dance. Oh, uh, okay. I was a big club okay. girl in the day. Yeah. I love to dance. And I was like, there's no smoke. This is awesome. I, I love being here. And I was so elated. I um, joined Jean's Body Tech and I'd read. I was like, this felt great. If I'm yeah. trying to feel good, this is part of it. Yeah. And I'd read an article you know, if you work out in the morning, you're more likely mm. to stick to it. So I started doing it before work and wow. I built, I deliberately became a morning person, started building that habit and really started adding joy to my life. So was there, I always, because people ask me like, what's the moment when you decided to change your life? And I just don't have this like catalyst. I really don't. It's like one morning I was like, I'm just don't want to live this way anymore. Right. So for you, was there anything specific? Um, where you were like, okay, relationships not going well, obviously. I don't feel confident about my body and my health, obviously. Um, had you had the job switched at oh. that point or not quite yet? I did switch to a job at a place I'm not going to name because okay. it's well known, but sure. it's a, it's a nonprofit uh -huh. hospital that does great work. Yeah, yeah. But it was night and day. Okay. We were literally huddled in a corner in the basement mm. and marketing and PR because it didn't matter yeah. at the facility. And again, they do beautiful work. Yeah. I'm not even, look how paranoid I am, not even mentioning them, but <laughs> um, I, I was miserable. Yeah. And I was coming to a head realizing, because I, I was a workaholic, right. I can't hide from the bad relationship. Right, right. Now, at the same time, um, my, oh yeah, at, at this time, my ex-husband was starting to think about a dream that... Um, he had, mm. which was hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. Oh. Okay. So he hadn't done it yet. Oh. He hadn't done it yet. Did that involve you? Probably not. Oh, no. <laughs> I like a good flush toy. Case in point, ex-husband. <laughs> ex-husband. We were just, we, we, great guy yeah. for somebody just, else. Yeah. Just kind of different paths, right? He was my first everything. Yeah. My first boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just was a late bloomer. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So at this point, it feels like, um, and I will say this because when you're in a bad place, a dark place, it feels like the worst thing ever, right? 
Um, and then you get through it and you realize, okay, I got through that. And then something else terrible happens in your life. And you're like, here we are again. And it's kind of practicing those emotions and those downfalls and those, um, bad places in your life. And once you kind of get through a few of them, you're like, I can handle this, but it sounds like your world is kind of collapsing and you don't even have the job to fall back on and feel like you're achieving at something. So there are always two ways people can go. You can go the victim route, the poor me, the I'm miserable, and you just kind of stick in that mode and you just get worse. And chances are you probably gain more weight and things would just spiral. So what really made you at 26? Because I feel like that's just being that age, no matter, even if you have a great job and a great relationship, it's still, an, it's a weird age, mm. I feel like. Um, what made you kind of take this path to say, you know what, I'm going to actually take control of my life. It's not going to control me. And first step is seeing a therapist. Second step is getting healthy physically. So w- what kind of inspired that? It was a, a desire to want things to be different. Mm. I remember at my lowest point, then I tried to come up with a list of things I liked about myself. It's before therapy. Yeah. I stared at a page for hours and all I could come up with was one thing. And that was, I'm good at speaking mm. and how, and, and it, I wish I could like reach back in time and give 26 year old Shira yeah. a hug and yeah. go, honey, there's so many more good things. What the <laughs> hell? But yeah. I just, um, I think therapy helped me see a different way was possible. Yeah. I went to therapy cause I just felt like it's, I've got to do something for it to get better. I'd had friends already that benefited from yeah. it. Um, and I just want to do what I could. And it took a few tries to get the right therapist, but in making the choice. So it's funny, the whole victim mm-hmm. mentality, mm-hmm. I have a visceral reaction against it. Mm. I've, I'm a self-made person. Mm-hmm. I've made my way in the world. And when I hear somebody choosing a victim mentality, mm-hmm. because it is your choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't have any people in my life like that anymore. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't have any friends like that. I don't, you know, any relationships like that yeah. because I, that's a particular behavior. That and entitlement, I just have right. no patience right. for. It's when people say they cut out toxic people. There are different types of toxicities to you, right? Yes. Whatever you value, whatever uh, really kind of lifts you up, if it doesn't do that, then it can be toxic to you. And I, I 1000% get that. I think for me, because I was that person for so long, I have a little bit of a tough, uh, tough love sort of mentality. Mm. Um, but also with a lot of grace and compassion, but there, there are certain people in my life that I've found myself talking to several times about the same exact thing. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? This is, this is beating a dead horse. Like you haven't changed. You're not taking the steps. And I feel very much like you. I'm like, I have to remove you if you need something. And you, you obviously I'm always there, but it, it's so true. And I catch myself, um, sometimes when I'm going through stuff myself, going back to the old me, I call her the old me. But now I'm able to recognize it and and I know what I need to do to kind of flip the switch and get out of it. So your life kind of picked back up. You started seeing a therapist. You started going to Jean's Body Tech, doing the, the dance aerobic classes. And then what happened after that? I, I started eating healthier. Yeah. It was like I did it in waves. I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat healthier. Yeah. I just, you know, all in the drive to feel better. A habit that I developed back then that I continue really strongly to this yeah. day journaling. Sure. Start journaling almost every day. And so I knew that mental well-being was going to be part of it from yeah, the start. Yeah. In fact, I journaled before I even went into therapy. Really? Yep. I just started writing things down in a book a coworker gave me as a Christmas yeah. present one yeah. year. I just went and I started writing the truth in that. And I have all these old books, you know, now mm-hmm. I just do it on my laptop. It's just so you much do, quicker. You type it out? I do. Always curious about this because I'm very much a handwriter. Uh, I, I feel like pen to paper. And then it's like chicken scratch, like you can barely read it. Cause for me, I just brain dump. It's like, I don't go back and it's not grammatically correct, but I've always thought maybe I should like try it on a computer just for the heck of it. I'm going to give you a little bit of science. Yes. Here, okay. I'd love to hear it. So writing things by hand is actually a better way to retain. Really? I take notes by hand in meetings. I okay. never type it. Okay. When it, but, and for journaling, um, some people feel that you learn something deeper mm. when you write it by hand. Um, I, for me, it's the speed. My hand can't keep up. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's a stream of consciousness, but I type very quickly. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I was doing it the other day and I noticed my hand got so tired <laughs> because nobody writes anymore. Like I write, uh, you know, have a skincare business. And when somebody buys something directly from me, I'll write them a thank you note. And I had several to do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my hand is cramping up. I might try the type, the, the typewriter. Gosh, the computer, <laughs> the computer trick. I'm really aging myself now. <laughs> okay. So when did your, your physical being is, is coming along, your mental health is getting there. When did the job start to kind of pump you back up? I made the decision to stick around there for a while because what the workaholic phase I was in before, yeah, I could never have lost the weight. I could not have made the space for me. And that's when I discovered self, what, what I didn't call it self-care back then. Yeah. Nobody yeah. called it self-care right, right, back right. then. I like, don't tell anyone you're taking care of yourself back then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hide it. Hide it. I just, I was making so many changes. I was trying to figure things out in the relationship. Yeah. Uh, my ex-husband did end up leaving for six months to hike the entire Appalachian Trail. Well, Kudos to him. Right. Right. Again, live your life. Right. Oh, you know, that's it, really what you want to do. But it's obviously going to put a strain on your relationship. Well, we were already strained. OK. OK. We were not yeah, happy. Yeah. And it was, you know, yay for both of us for sure, figuring it out. Sure, sure, sure. So he came back still wanting to be with me. I'd realized, no, yeah. we don't need to be. And, yeah. and it was actually such a wonderful time. Uh, you remember the TV show Will and Grace? Oh, my gosh. Yes. So I ended up moving in with my Will. <laughs> we were Will and Grace before the TV show was on the air. No and, kidding. Um, had... You know, I just had such a joyous time yeah. and um, was getting healthier and feeling better. And, you know, the final part of that was realizing I needed to end the relationship, mm. though. You can still love somebody, but realize that it's you need to love yourself first. Sure. Was there ever that um, fear of failure? Not for that marriage. Okay. Okay. Oh, you had another one. Justin is my third. Oh my gosh, I thought Justin was your second. No. Which is so funny because I saw Justin this morning at 6 a.m. Yes. He takes my spin classes too. Yes, right? No, he's third time's the charm. Okay, so we're going to have to get to the second sure, one. Sure, I got, I, I'm a lifetime We got movie. time. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so um, you decide to end it. You move past the first marriage. Yep. And you're so focused on yourself that it's like... It, it, I think when you're so ingrained in making yourself better and making sure you're in a good place to attract someone else, you don't worry about it as much, right? You just kind of let it happen. Well, or, I hadn't quite gotten there yet. Okay. That was me later. Okay. I'd gotten to the point where it was a novelty. I was dating as myself. I was mm. 50 pounds lighter yeah. for the first time. I grew up the um, funny, chubby girl. Got it. For the first time, it was, oh, I'm getting all this attention yeah, yeah. from guys. It was na it was navigating dating um, where I looked and felt a lot better. Yeah. So I dated a ton. Good for you. <laughs> and then, so it's funny. <laughs> I call myself a uh, new age Jew, so I'm newish. Okay. I'm not particularly religious, but I'd, I'd never dated a Jewish guy. And yeah. I thought maybe that'll make things better. So I intentionally set out and met. A couple of years later, what I thought was a nice Jewish guy, mm. and he was Jewish, but he wasn't particularly nice. <laughs> when did you find out he wasn't so nice? After, After you I got married? married? Him. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> hey, at least you already had experience and and knew a good divorce lawyer. <laughs> well, but that that was the right. that one right. was a sense of failure. It mm. was the I've had two major relationships in my life, mm -hmm. and I'm divorced twice, and I was. 33. Yeah. yeah. I went, what the hell? Did you, you didn't have any kids with no, them? Okay. No. Okay. So that, at that point, what was going on in your career at the same time? Now my career was just booming, ass. right? Yeah. yeah okay. It was I booming. I went back into another yeah. corporate job. Yeah. I was a director at a, what is now a billion dollar company for corporate communications and PR. Yeah. Um, I was killing it at work. I thought, you know, I thought my life had to be a certain way. So, um, and I had such a, a weird bookend to it. I remember getting married in August of 97 uh -huh. and it was the weekend. My mom thought it was a sign. It was the weekend that Princess Diana died. Oh God. Okay. Oh yeah. I remember that. And, uh, and I'm not British royalty. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Close it's enough. not like it wasn't, you know, I, I hate that for her kids, right. but you know, and it was sad, but it wasn't yeah. really going to impact my nuptials, right. but it was, um, I was, I, I did love him very much. Yeah. Uh, 
and he was really funny. Probably yeah. still very funny. I, I I don't know. I don't have anything to do with him anymore. But I um, you know, I was like, I want a family. Yeah. I want all these things. This will probably make my parents happy. Mm. Maybe it'll make things easier. And um, yeah, after we got married, very critical mm. person. Um, I'm a I'm very active in my career. He was, you know, kind of a lazy guy. Yeah. Um, not very motivated and just, you know, the negativity. Right. Um, right. You know, not the right person for me. Which after you do, you know, you've done from 26 to 33, a lot of work on yourself. Yes. So then all of a sudden feel like kind of, uh, is it fair to say like almost like going backwards or just that forward momentum has stopped at least. Right. And now you're, you're handed this. Was it long after you got married? Were you married for very long when you realized we were together, I think it was a total of maybe like four years. Mm-hmm. I, there was something specific that happened. Mm. And he was very critical, putting me down. Got it. I think he was threatened by my success. Got it. And I had a friend. She was older, so but she was um, she was just turned 40. Okay. She had a boyfriend, very serious boyfriend. And she was, no, she was 38. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. <sighs> and... Her boyfriend was really there for her. He asked her to marry him. Mm. And it was such a touching story. And I'm somebody I won't shy away from the truth. And I asked my um, spouse at the time, if that was to happen to us, what would you do? Would you be there for me? And he hesitated. (gasps) And he said, I don't know. What? And we were already married. (laughs) And I went, okay, I've got to end it. Wow. And so I, you know, took a couple of weeks to formulate my plans. Right. figured out what I'm going to do and um, ended the relationship. And it felt like a huge failure. You know, you've heard of the scarlet letter. My scarlet wasn't an A, it was an F for failure. Right, 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 right. Even though your job was going well, you were in good health, did it ever spiral you into a weight gain? Because a lot of times when people go through stuff like this, they go back to like their old self, right? That's such a good question. It did not spiral into the weight gain. If anything, I leaned into it more for support. Mm. But it was, I think, sometimes I say bad things, challenging things happen in thirds, in threes, whatever. Uh, It was the divorce. That was a long time ago. That was 99. A year later, my father died. Uh, And then within a year, a job that I loved. mm -hmm. I was with a company called American Retail Group. We owned Upton's, um, Levi's Dockers Outlets, all these big company. And um, when we closed Upton's, we ended up, all of us lost our jobs eventually. So I found myself in 2001, you know, in a real stint of a hard, hard time. Mm. So at that point, what choices did you make? You're like, here I am, not again, but in a different capacity. Um, Things are kind of in this dark place. Did you, are you cognizant, are you cognitively, cognizantly, what's the right word? Cognizant. Cognizant. That's a good SAT. Cognizant of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of like, I've been here before in a different way. Uh, I'm going to dig myself out of it. Or did you, you know, what did you do at that point in life to kind of pick yourself up? Sometimes you got to let yourself wade through the crap. Yeah. Um, I did with the, my father's death. I mean, there was like four months. I don't remember much to be honest. My friends were great. Just kind of move through, like you're going through the motions. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. It was, it was just a, it was a really hard time. Uh, But after the career thing, I needed to support myself, Mm -hmm. you know, after the, so I started doing some consulting. I fell into having my own business. I, I built an award-winning public relations firm. Wow. So I really became what I call a career activist. I Spent um, a chunk of time, you know, just working on my career, building the PR firm. Yeah. I dated a lot of different guys. <laughs> I didn't trust myself. Mm. I actually have a whole chapter in the book mm-hmm. uh, dedicated to teaching people how to build greater trust with yeah. themselves. Yeah. And, you know, when I really start forgiving myself and right. trusting myself right. and getting right. through all right. that, you know, um, that helped me later make much better romantic decisions. But um, no, my 40s were late 30s, yeah. early 40s, career, career, career. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of poured yourself into that instead. I did. And I had a blast. I yeah. traveled. I, again, the girl who had all the sleepovers growing up, <laughs> I would have the best dinner parties. Yes. Uh, just, you know, bring everybody together. I have never been anyone who's felt less than if I don't have a guy. Right. So I, you know, I just had a really fun, active life and, you know, dated 
plenty of guys, nobody sure. I wanted to end up with. Sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, my mom told me about a book mm. and this is, so I'm flashing forward. Do you, is yes, this any yes, other? please. So, so some interesting things uh -huh, happened uh -huh. in, um, a stint of time, 2008, 2009. Yep. Dating a lot of guys, mm -hmm. working on myself. My mom saw a book on a talk show. I've told a hundred people about this book. <laughs> um, and it's called Calling in the One. And okay, have you it's read on it? My, it's on my nightstand. My uh -huh. God, I did it. I took it so uh -huh. seriously because my mom was driving me crazy. Uh -huh. I took four months off, didn't date anyone. I did every exercise in that book. You did? I did it. A client of mine got it for me. It's fantastic. Okay. Your client is wonderful okay. and deeply cares about you. Yes. Um, almost everybody I know who actually went through the book has now happily ended up with someone they love. <gasps> okay. All right. You're, in, you're giving oh, I'm me chills. This woman I'm chills. sell books right now. Right. Okay? Right. But you, that means you're supposed to work is, on the book. Is Emily, what's her name? Emily? Is Catherine that, uh, Woodward Thomas. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Catherine. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, it's like a workbook. It's like a big chunky book. But do the work. Okay. Yes. Okay. If you have it on your bedside, osmosis mm -hmm. isn't going to help. Yeah. <laughs> Like I told you, I'm really bad with books, but my client is like, you actually, you can't do yeah. an audiobook. You, you need, need to, this one. And and it's worth it doing yeah. all the exercises. Yeah. I dated differently mm. and I started just attracting better guys in. Okay. I, okay. You've inspired me. Oh my God. It was totally different. I'll give you an example. Justin is five and a half years younger than I am. He is? Uh, see, thank you for saying that. At this, he's going to kill me. <laughs> no, at this point, you're supposed to go, Shira, you just look so much younger than you are. Not like, oh, your husband, you know, he's a fox, but he's got a shaved head. I thought yeah. he was older. Well, plus, he's got the accent. He's, you know, he's, British. he's got the British he's a accent. He's total fox. Yeah, yes. he's a catch. He's, he's a, a catch. total catch. But yes, I was really hung up on, you know, I wouldn't go more than like two to three years younger. Really? Yeah, bizarre. Who knows why that got in my brain? So I really opened it up. Okay. Um, I was hung up on stupid things like that. I was hung up on, well, you know, I like to go dancing and stuff. Justin right. doesn't dance. Right. He doesn't dance. <laughs> but my God, is he the best guy I know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So it's... How did you guys meet? Because this is uh, uh, back in the day. There's no, there's no Bumble. There's no Tinder. There's no Hinge. Right? You've got to do things the old school way. Well, it's and this is so. This is going to be a very new age universe story. Uh -huh. Tell me. I was on eHarmony. Uh -huh. We had eHarmony in 2009, and Justin, Justin's company moved him over in January of 2009. Okay. Um, we hadn't met yet. It was April of 2009. Yeah, dated. I was just tired of it, and I already gave them notice I was going to quit at the end of uh -huh. April. And there was a woman named Robbie Hochek who is a certified Indian shaman. Okay. And I had done some energy work with her before. <laughs> I'm open to whatever. Okay, Megan? I'm, I am too. Okay. This is, I'm, I'm talking to it. you. This is it. not only for whoever's listening. This right. is for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. And so I had worked with her before in the past. And yeah, I was doing all this great work on myself. Yeah. That book was formative. Sure. I was journaling. And I remember seeing her. It was like the first weekend in April that year. And I remember going there and I was like, you know what? I, I've worked so much on myself. So many of my friends are now in happy relationships. Mm. Some of them are having families. They've moved on. I just feel like I'm ready. I'm really ready. And I was hysterically crying. I let it all go. We did some really powerful work. And when I drove home and checked email, mm -mm. Justin sent me a note. We were matched. He did it in the middle of that energy ah. session. Now he would roll his eyes. I don't know yeah. if he'll listen to this. Yeah. He probably yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's rolling his eyes right uh -huh. now going, uh -huh. Oh God, lady. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that is exactly what happened. And I saw his profile and it was, I was just blown away. I was like, this guy's got the best damn personality and his pictures were just okay. I mean, he's like, like I said, he's totally hot. He couldn't tell from the pictures. And I was like, what's going on with this? We started communicating. I, I was like, I was done with playing games. He asked me yeah. out right away. I yeah. said, yes. Um, and when I met him, I, this has never happened before and it won't happen or since. You right. know, I felt when I met him, I felt like a bolt of lightning. Really? I'm not exaggerating. When I saw him, we, we met at, uh, what's a tapas place? Not topless, tapas. Barcelona. Thanks, Spanish. It's um, it's on Ashford Dunwoody. Oh Road. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, I can't think. Whatever it is, about. we're yeah. not giving them a yeah. free plug. Yeah. So I met there, and I saw him, and I just it was like a a jolt, and we just hit it off right away, and just the best conversationalist, the most yeah. interesting person. We didn't want the night to end. It was a five and a half hour date. Oh my gosh. And he's a he's a great talker. 
here's the deal. He has said to me before, you know, we probably wouldn't have liked each other before. We met at the right time. I was yes. 42. Yeah. He wasn't quite 37. Yeah. You know, we came together at, a, I mean, hell, he lived 5,000 miles away. <laughs> you know, we, we came together at just the right time yeah. for me to have such a great love that, you know, I didn't care about having a family anymore right. because right. I realized the kind of love I have with this man is nurturing and sustaining. And it, you know, this is what I've always wanted. It's better than I thought sure, I could have. Sure. I have chills. Wow. What a story. Yeah. What a story. I got a good one. How long have you guys been married? Well, we met. That was 13 years ago. We got engaged after three years. We got, oh my gosh, next month it'll be nine years. I was, I was trying to do the math. I was thinking 10. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. Nine years. Yeah. Wow. Yes. What a cool story. It's yes. never too late. No. Never too late. No. That's what I keep telling myself. Oh, I have... And again, some of those friends who have read yeah. the book, yeah. uh, I have at least a half dozen friends and for the, some of them, second or third marriages, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, 50 years old, they're meeting the right yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you can be ready at 24. You can not, I'm sorry, you can want it yeah. at 24 or 30 or 35, but until you've done the work on yourself, yes. are you truly ready for the right person? And the right person that will not complete you, but that will compliment you. Yes. And that's such a smart yeah. realization. Like what you're noting, it's, they're not there to fix you. Mm -mm. They're, they're, you've got to Nor do you. I want to fix anybody. Hell no. <laughs> How exhausting. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, my, my, the guy in my life is not my hobby. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. They're, they're already intelligent, creative and yes. whole. That's what I need. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. That's, I'm, I have a lot of, um. Very good. I feel like this is very much just for me. Thank you for coming. We're done here. We're done here. Your mother sent me a hundred dollars. Yeah, literally, literally. My mother's up with my grandfather. She's going to be so excited when I tell her this story. She's coming down after. Um, okay. So let's get into the moment you finally realized you have something more to offer the world and realizing your own purpose and using your own voice uh, pun intended, because you are a fantastic speaker. Listening to your audiobook, I love. Um, I think most authors, you know, if they're, it, well, maybe not. I'm glad that it's your voice. Thank you. You know that makes such a difference because they're your words. So, when did this book idea? Maybe not even idea, because you probably started taking the steps without even realizing I'm going to write a book one day, right? But just kind of noticing and noting how you have been in places where you've been stuck in your career, in your relationships, in your personal body and your physical being, and realize, wait, I think I could give some guidance and some guidelines to this. Well, I'm going to have, if you don't mind, if I give you a story here. Yeah. Uh, this is, please. So when I said there were three really hard times in my life. Yeah, third one. The third one oh, was at a doozy. I met Justin and that was such great joy. Right. At the same time, uh -huh. the Great Recession happened. Uh -huh. My PR business failed. Mm -hmm. I had to lay off great people. Mm. I had to do all the work by myself to pay off $100,000 worth of debt um, for business. I um, was so stressed by the time I started breathing again, I got sick. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Yeah. Um, I had a really hard time of it. This was all, so around the time, the great joy of getting married a few right, months later, right. developed Crohn's disease symptoms. Um, and that's an inflammatory bowel disease, sure, if, you know. Sure. And it just, it was, that stuff was awful. I was also becoming a certified executive coach because I'm mm. very interested in human potential and helping yeah. people develop. So with all of that, I made the decision to go back into corporate, mm -hmm. found a job, I'm a chief communications officer at a $2 billion company that allowed me to use the coaching and all of the things I'd done. The same job you're at now, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So same this job is I'm that story. Okay. So I got in my job, started working again, you know, for somebody else and doing all of that. Right, right. And I still start thinking about my purpose and, okay, it's greater than work and what right. do I want to do? And really, it was, I started thinking about writing a book mm. and I knew that I did want to share my voice. In January of 2018... I was interviewing for another job mm -hmm. elsewhere, and I went to my boss's office, and I actually got promoted. I was an EVP before I became communications oh, chief. Oh, wow, yeah. And I remember telling him, I want to write a book, and I want to do some speaking. I'm going to be writing articles, uh -huh. and I want to talk about that with you. He goes, I support you. And I just, because I wanted to be very above board with yeah. it. It yeah. wasn't, you know, and 
And if I'm going to pursue something else besides this job, I want you to know about it. I want you to know. I'll always get my job done. Yeah. But I want you to know. And, you know, kind of with that, and I need to give myself permission. I kind of needed to hear it from work. So I started pursuing it. And for me, what came first was actually I started writing articles uh, for Thrive Global, which is Uh Arianna Huffington's platform Uh on well-being. Um, I started doing speaking and I was on a podcast. Uh, I think it was Life Through Transitions. And I was really holding back on telling anybody about Crohn's disease mm. because I didn't want. And by the time I was in remission, I got great medical right, care. Right. You never know. I'm a very healthy, active person. Yeah. And I remember I just blurted it on this podcast and I started talking about it and it got hundreds of likes mm. and people were sharing it afterwards. And I went, I'm supposed to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And then I did a TEDx talk, start telling it. And then I did another TEDx talk and that helped me solidify, okay, I want to start working on the book to help people get unstuck. I've been unst- I've been stuck and unstuck so many times. Yeah. I figured out a process. Yeah. I interviewed over a hundred people who have been stuck, some really dramatically so, others, you know, hard, but more mundane. Right, right, right. And I figured out a step-by-step process that, you know, one that I have lived right. to help others get unstuck. And that's my purpose, to help others get unstuck and, you know, activate their full potential. Wow. I mean, can you imagine if you hadn't just blurted out your Crohn's? I mean, again, the world works in mysterious ways, but also very calculated ways. Um, that's such a cool way of finding it. And again, you you were diving in. You knew that there was something bigger. And looping back to what I talked about in the beginning of this interview, it's like we want to find that purpose. We want to figure it out. But you have to go through some shit <laughs> to get you there first. Unfortunately, you know, um, it's not always easy. There's a there's a quote in a Steve Miller band song that's like, you got to go through hell before you get to heaven. Oh, yeah. And it's so true. And it sucks while you're in it. But what you do while you're in it is going to matter the most when you're out of it, you know. And for you, um, you had to go through three huge life-changing downfalls, if you will, to be able to talk about it and help mm-hmm. other people get unstuck. So, and I, and I know this, but I want you to kind of explain in this book, you really take us on this journey of first really defining what your stuckness is, if you will. Like, I think sometimes you can be in a bad place, stuck, whatever you want to call it, and it's hard to even identify it. Sometimes I can just be like, I don't know. I don't feel good. I'm not in a good mood. I don't even know what's going on, right? And whether you go to a therapist or you do some meditation or whatever to kind of get the proper uh, identification up, this book really will help you do that. So kind of the first, if you can just give us like a three-step summary of what you talk about in this book. Cause I want them to go buy it. It is very powerful. And it's also, um, I love things that provide tangible, th- tangible options, tangible examples, because it's one thing to be like, okay, this is what I did, but here are some exercises to try. Maybe that's why calling in the one was a great book for you too. Cause it's very on your path, right? That's how you kind of see getting on stock is there's a path to take. It's almost like you're telling the world, I'm serious. Right. I actually want to get unstuck. I'm going to take these actions. I'm going to do the reflection. I'm going to see what's possible. I'm going to reframe how I look at circumstances and situations. And you need to understand how you're stuck. I have a free quiz on my website. It's Shira, S-H-I-R-A, Miller.com. Take the quiz, find out how you're stuck. It'll give you some advice on what to do. But once you realize how you're stuck, Mm -hmm. because there's seven ways in which you could be stuck, Mm -hmm. then it's a process of gaining clarity. If you just want kind of three overall buckets, you know, within it, taking a pause, um, figuring out what your purpose is. I have exercises to help you figure it out. Exercises to figure out what your values are, Mm -hmm. to chart something called a will of life, Mm -hmm. um, and to really start seeing a better, happier, more meaningful way for you. And so from that, 
Then depending on how you're stuck, you look at the next steps in the process, um, practicing forgiveness, how to become more resilient. And when given the choice between optimism or pessimism, learning how to choose optimism, there's so many benefits, mental health, your physical health, you will be happier from learning how to choose that. Uh, And then after you've made changes, wellness is a chapter, physical wellness, practicing gratitude. I I end it with um, how to take an internal assessment because we're human. Mm-hmm. We're going to backslide. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, a typically a one and done. You can get unstuck in one area and then the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what do I do now? It's and it, it's a process of how do you see there might be a warning light in right. your, you know, metaphorical right. car of your life to deal with it before it gets there. Sure. And what steps to take with it. So that's the overall process of the book. Yeah. I love it. And you can be stuck in many different ways, but really figuring out what the biggest thing is first, because it can be really overwhelming when this is going wrong. You you know, like when you were 24, the relationship, the job, the weight, like it all seems so daunting and so overwhelming. So this really maps out, okay, let's start with X, then we get to Y, then we finish with Z. You know, you don't yes. have to do it all at once. And you also have to be patient. There's no quick fix. The same thing with mental health, physical health. People are like, how do I lose 10 pounds in, you know, two weeks? I'm like, uh, well, do you want to be healthy or not? Like, that's my question to you. So again, it's being patient with yourself, but also being willing and ready to do the work, which for a lot of people can be the hardest thing. And then from there, taking a good look at yourself, because a lot of this being stuck, we're responsible for, and we don't even realize it until we're in it so deep. And instead of feeling like a failure, being able to recognize it and then learning how to take steps to kind of dig yourself out of it so that you don't stay there forever. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You've got to, you know, you've got to practice self-compassion. Yeah. Then, and so many people forget that they they'll give self, they will be compassionate to (laughs) everybody else. Right. But to yourself, you've, you've got to, yeah. That's an important part of, yeah. of however you're stuck. Wow. And at the same time you're writing this book, you have this amazing job and you still have it, correct? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. You know, and it's 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 an ebb and flow. Again, yeah. my, uh, I've been very open about it, but my husband and I, we don't have kids. Right, right. I did a lot of writing on weekends, yeah. Yeah. you know, after work, a lot of things like that. So, So what's the next step for you? Right now, I'm working on promoting the book. Right. I'm doing a lot of interviews. I'm um, also starting to get even more proactive with speaking. I'd like to be yeah. doing keynotes. Yeah. And um, eventually, I'll probably be creating some educational opportunities to help people with the free and clear process. Sure, sure. Um, and honestly, long term, I'd love to have a media property. I don't know what that means yet. I love that. So I don't know. Yes. How did you come up with the title? That is my publisher. Ah, I just thanked her yesterday. Did you? They they helped, they came up with the free and clear. And okay. I felt freaked That's what out. I was wondering. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. I loved it. Free and clear, get unstuck and live the life you want. Yes. Right? That came out of their mouth and I went, you know, holy shit, <laughs> this is amazing. Yes. Yes. I love that. But obviously your idea of this being stuck has been oh. a theme your whole life. It has. And that's, you know, I look back at my life and it's all to be of service to others. I've got all this credibility Uh because I went through all this stuff Uh and I know, I really know how to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'd had this crazy, easy life, okay. Yay me. Yes. But I wouldn't be able to do what I do. You'd be a poser because you'd be like, this is (laughs) how I think it would feel. Right. This is how (laughs) I could imagine it would be, you know, um, being divorced twice by the time I was 33 or whatever it is, (laughs) but you're being able, but you being able to speak the truth and having lived through it gives you so much more clout, obviously. Um, how do you keep yourself mentally, physically healthy? What are some day to day things that you practice? I have a morning routine okay. that I Ooh, try to me. do. I love a morning. I like Ed Milet's morning <laughs> routine. Tony, like, I'm like, let me hear it. So um, 
I start the, most days listening to a meditative recording. And in my case, uh -huh. there is a hypnotherapist that I've worked with who's helped me with several issues. Okay. And so my most recent one is I'm trying to break up with processed sugar. Really? It isn't my friend. It's not fun, though. It's not my friend. It's not fun. <laughs> but I'm really a lot happier. Yeah. Clothes fit better yes. when, you know, yes. I, I don't make sugar as my fourth yeah. food group. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, Inga's done a wonderful job helping with me. So... I listen to, you know, a 10, 15 minute yeah. recording like that. Could be on any topic. Like pretty much as soon as you wake up? I do. First wow. thing I do. Wow. I, put my, I put the headphones in. Like are you still in bed? Yep. Okay. That's the time you're the most receptive to a message. What, I'll tell you, you wake, what I started doing too after you're done. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. the people yeah. who are like, I check my phone first. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, don't. Yeah. Please do not. Yeah. Or like they look at news first. Blah. Ooh. It's going to make your day suck, right? <laughs> um, so I start- Or the with, stock market. Like why? Yeah. No. No. It's going to be there. Don't worry about it. Exactly. It'll be there. Exactly. Let go of that. Uh -huh. So I put something good in before I leave the bed. And then I um, journal a little bit. Yeah. You know, it might be 10 minutes, 15 are you, minutes. Are you an early riser? I, You know, COVID, I actually really like sleep now, yeah. but but I'm still early. Like, we'll get up 5.30, 5.45. Okay. Yeah. But before COVID, it was like an hour earlier. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but luckily, Justin and I are morning people and yeah. not night people. Got it. Okay. You know, if I was married to a night owl, that could be a challenge, but he's <laughs> like me. So, you know, he gets, he gets up early. And he's he's, he's there before I'm there. I get there he around is. 542. Yeah. And he's already on his bike, ready to roll. I'm like, okay. And before he sees you, he's been like on the treadmill running oh for 40 minutes. Oh, my gosh. He's bionic. I'm married to the bionic man. Okay? I'm just saying. So, um... Uh, and Meditate then, journal. Med and then I work out. Okay. And you know, I take off one day a week from the gym. And like one day a week, it will be just Pilates. So right. I, I right. do a diversity of things. Low intensity and... Yeah. 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 And I, so it's a it's a good combination. Things that work for me, work for my body at this time in my yeah. life too. Yeah. We really focus on strength training. Right. Right. And one thing you do talk in, about in your book is really how to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing I talk a lot about on this platform as well is... It's hard if you've never been taught or you grow up and you're always told like, it's fine, you're fine, you're fine. It's like, no, no, no. It's okay to have certain thoughts. It's okay to know that they exist because then at least you can kind of identify what's going on and that's self-awareness. So having that self-awareness throughout the day or when something happens and like, how does this trigger me or how could it trigger me down the road again? seeing that dashboard in your car and realizing there's a problem before there's a problem. Did you kind of just teach yourself that over the course of these downfalls? Or is that something like your parents ingrained? I'm always curious how people learn things. Oh, I learned it on my own years you did. later. Yeah, yeah. And really gained the, I developed those early warning tools with healthy habits, visit, you know, eating. Am I you know, how's my eating? What's going on? Am I getting enough sleep? Yeah. That was developed early on. And now it's, uh, I can tend to do too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to, it's really important for me, no matter how busy I am to take one day off completely where I just let my brain be mashed potatoes. Really? Yes. Like it's, a full day. Like I need a Saturday. Oh, I still work out. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not trying to write a blog. Got it. I'm not trying yes. to work on a book. I'm not yes. trying to you know, be an A student right. for work. Or come up with inspirational things. It's like, <laughs> let me just be, right? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. need to just be. Recharge. Yeah. Wow. Such good tools. You guys get this book. It's so good. So what, I saw this on TikTok and I'm like, I'm going to try this. Um, this. This woman said the same thing you said when you're, when you first wake up and you're kind of in that lull state, like almost still sort of dreamy state to flood your brain with good messaging. And she suggested recording your own voice, talking to someone, not I want, I will be, I saying like, I have X, Y, and Z. I am living this life. For instance, when you see your life and where you want to be one day, say it in present tense as if you're telling a friend about your life right now. That is brilliant. And I listen to myself twice. I have one very much dedicated to my business. And then I have one very much dedicated to just me as a human existing in the world. And, you know, it's like one of them's like four minutes long and one of them's like a minute and a half. But it's that it's that same sort of thing you're saying is flooding your brain with good messaging. And there's something to be said about starting your day like that, that really 
sets the tone and your brain is so complex um, that you don't even realize when things are happening negatively or positively until 30, 60 days down the road and you're like, wow, I, f- I just feel better. I feel like I have a better start to my day versus, you know, I know a lot of people will stay off their phones for 30, 45 minutes and just do other things. And that's fine too. For me, I go on, I open the app, the voice memo app at the end of my night. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will listen to it at night too. Last thing before you go to bed is hearing a good message. Mm -hmm. Um, so have it open so that when I open it in the morning, I'm not tempted to go on Instagram or, you know, whatever, because I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. So having that app ready to go in the morning is what I listen to. And that's, that's a very recent thing. Have, have you seen a difference? Um, yes, I'm very much starting to. Plus I went back to therapy, Excellent. which has been fantastic. And I had to, I'm going to record a podcast, just a solo cast about that journey because for so many years of my life, I was forced to, mm. I had no choice. Um, it was kind of a life or death sort of situation. And now I was very... I was very hesitant to go back to therapy because, because I kind of had that like, oh, I'm a failure, like having to go back. And my friend was like, no, because now this is your choice and you're doing it to better your life and kind of figuring out what I was stuck with in the relationship department. So this was all coming for full circle. And then when you told me what your book was about and I started going back to therapy and I started doing this work in the morning, I'm like, Oh my God, like all my worlds are colliding in a spin class a week ago. And here we are. So this has been fantastic. Tell us where we can purchase your book, where we can find it, all the things, all the plugs. I'd love to. <laughs> so you can purchase the book. It, it's available on Amazon. It's free and clear. Get unstuck and live the life you want. My name is Shira, S-H-I-R-A, Miller. Mm-hmm. You can find it as an ebook, yep. as a paperback, or as an audible recorded book. Perfect. And you can learn. I've got over 100 free articles, yeah. that quiz on my website, yep. and that's shiramiller.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you. I've so enjoyed myself. I can't wait to your next book and to bring you back one day in the near future. Excellent. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests. And then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.